welcome to the WrestleDown! WrestleDown Cold Open! <laughs> yes! We are going to change the segments so that we can change the game. I'm Jer Palapal. That's me, Dennis Bruno, the paradigm shifter. And on his lap is Keaton the Kitten Man. Keaton, how you doing? He's doing good. (laughs) (laughs) Dramatic pause. Yeah, he's on Dennis's lap and with no stomach support. He's just a (laughs) saggy little man. He got it. He's got faith in himself and his core strength. Everybody loves a saggy little man. Worked <laughs> <laughs> for Hans Moment. Yes, exactly. So this week we're going to change up our show format. Usually we just talk about whatever until whatever. <laughs> and then, it's an exact science. And then I uh, cut it up and I throw it on the internet. Or really, and then I send it to Pat and then Pat throws it on the internet. Thanks, Pat. Uh, yes, thank you, Pat. And so instead, we're going to just go deep into a show. And I think we're just going to try to do that for a few weeks, see how that feels. Sounds we'll good. Like, yeah, we'll go deep into an episode. This week, we're doing AEW Dynamite from February 2nd, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But first, uh, what have you been watching? I've been watching The New Beginning in Sapporo for New Japan. been watching NXT. I've been watching... Yeah, that's that's mainly it, and of course AEW, which we'll get to later. Yes, yeah, I did not watch NXT, and I should. Hmm. Yeah, but I did watch the New Beginning in Sapporo, or actually, uh, New Beginning in Osaka as well. Did you watch that one or um, Sapporo? Um, whichever one was the most recent. I'm not the uh, greatest with the names. Okay, so, you mean the one that aired Sunday? Yes, the one that would have featured uh, Naito and Kenta. Kenta. Okay, yes, so that's Osaka. Yeah, what oh, well, highlights of that event? Time Bomb is back. Time Bomb's looking great. Yes, he is taking bumps. They are scaring me, but you know what? He took them, and he seems fine, and that's all we can ask for. Absolutely. You had sent a video on Saturday night hyping the event, or at least, like, Hiromo just being asked, Hey, uh, you're not in the main event. What do you feel about heavyweight wrestling? And instead of giving kind of a canned answer or a a boring one, he sang a song about how much he loves Rio Lee. Yes, he sang... (laughs) He sang a song for that lasted about two minutes. Yeah. And some of the lines were just, Tomorrow, tomorrow, Dragon Lee. <laughs> it's a very, if you can find it. Charming as hell. Yeah, he's, uh, I'm so happy he's back. He's a great wrestler, but also, like, it's just nice to have a guy who thinks outside the box. Yep. And is a weirdo. And he'll, he'll make a whole storyline with a cat during the G1 tags. Or he will sing a song about his opponent. And then his opponent will be like, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what any of that was, but I heard my name a lot. <laughs> yeah, Dragon Lee just sat opposite him for like on like the press table, pulled out his cell phone, and just started like taking selfies of himself, <laughs> and like Hiromo in the frame. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. Like, how many times in wrestling do like opponents get along so well that they're just like, yeah, I'll sing a song about you, and the other guy's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll take photos for posterity yeah well he probably took videos he probably put it out as an instagram story mm. i should follow him on instagram he's, he's a hot man he's an iguanable yes that's true day oh i meant uh, i meant dragon lee mm. i think i follow romo i probably probably do yeah i bet you do yeah i would bet that too uh, I'm, a, I'm a little interested in the sense that uh los iguanables de japon are obviously lij and new mm. japan based and then you got los iguanables based out of japan uh mexico 
which right. now Dragon Lee's a part of because Rush and oh, Duck. Oh, right. Him. Yeah. And like they've made no mention of that, but Ru, Ru Lee, Dragon Lee, he comes out with like the gear that so, still says Ingobernables. So it's almost like a civil war. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder how much that they paid attention to that. I'm sure they did, but it's not something that they've played up at all, which is no. interesting. Maybe that maybe it's because like they're it's a friendly rivalry. Yeah. They've had 19 matches with each other. Each one, well, I guess this one is less deadly than the last. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, this one didn't end with somebody being out for 18 months that we know of. No one's neck got broke. Yeah, which is good. Hmm. It's always good when people's neck don't get broke. Hmm. Good English. I mean, ask Edge. Yeah, exactly, yeah. he's. But hey, he came back, Hiromu was back, neck injuries, and not as serious as they used to be, apparently. Hooray! Yeah, it's like uh, how Rocky had brain damage in Rocky Five. But he came back for Rocky Six, and he, he was just because medical advances happened so bad. He had stuff in the in the basement. He had to get it out, <laughs> and then the basement knocked it back out of him. That's right, and knocked it into the violence of John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, that was that probably not. Nah, well, I might taste run towards more of the light heavyweights like Hiromu and Dragon Lee. That was a great match, but. Moxley versus Suzuki was everything you could hope for. Yep. Just two violent guys being violent at each other, start to finish, just beating each other with chairs. Good stuff. I don't know many of the wrestlers who could, in a serious, violent contest, continuously stick their tongues at each other, <laughs> and then, like, have that be part of the story that they were telling. I'm just like, I can be goofier and violent than you, <laughs> and fuck yeah, Moxley proved to be good. Yeah, Moxley hitting Suzuki with a chair, Suzuki... Not selling a shot to the head and just sticking his tongue out and laughing evilly. Very, it's funny. It's good. I love that Moxley. Just in order to be consistent throughout, has to have an eye patch on, even in New Japan. Yep. And that they'll, <laughs> on the commentary, they'll just be like, he has that eye patch because of he got attacked by Chris Jericho, but they'll never say where, nope. or when, nope. or why. <laughs> it's behind the forbidden portal, behind mm. the forbidden door. Yeah. In that forbidden door, it only opens. And it doesn't let people see each other if they both come through the same door. It's a very specific door. (laughs) I don't know who built it, but they did. And now it's the easiest way to get to Japan. Yep. (laughs) You can't fly. No one's going to take that long-ass bridge that exists. I said it's the easiest, not the only. (laughs) You can still fly. In fact, you probably have to. I think only wrestlers can go through the Forbidden Door. That's fair. Yeah, and so far no Japanese wrestlers have gone through the Forbidden Door. To AEW. Yeah, except for Joshi wrestlers. Right, right. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful Joshi wrestlers. Mm. And yeah, and I liked... I really liked the main event. I liked a lot of the hype leading up to it. Mm. I think Kenta is doing the best character work of his entire career. I do love Kenta's character work, for sure. I, I really liked... The idea of them, uh, Naito and Kenta, dueling, avoiding each other, because it was Kenta being an asshole, but uh, Naito staying cool, and the audience was way different about each uh, each competitor, mm. despite them doing the same thing some of the time. I think the first, like, two-thirds of the match really dragged, though. Yeah. I was not into, like, the parts that Kenta was trying to submit Naito, or, you know, there was just very little going on. It was just a lot of Kenta slowly, methodically beating up Naito, and then Naito eventually pulling out a win. I think it really kicked into gear when he started bleeding because he got his head hit on the uncovered turnbuckle. Yeah, the return of blood adding drama to matches. Yes, I love it. I'd, I'd agree with the whole the slow pace bit. It felt noticeably like a, a main event that felt like it was being dragged out to yeah. build tension to like the finishing stretch, which is fine, but it just... 
it, it could have been done better. It's been done better in other matches. Yeah. I don't think... I feel like if you had done pretty much the same match, but in 20 minutes or instead of 40 or however long that... It felt like 40. I don't know if it was, but yeah. it was about that. And then, it, like, if you would cut the time down, it would have been way more effective. And, I mean, you don't... Not every main event has to be, you know, a fucking epic. Seems like Okada's the only guy who can really... Uh, really uh, deliver on that scale all the time. He can fill that because physically he doesn't really slow down unless mm -hmm. he really has to, unless like his opponent has him in a rest hold or his opponent's trying to submit him. Like Okada sells danger very well, and so does Naito, but right. Kenta's offense a little bit less believable at this point in his career. So I agree. I think like 20, 25 minutes tops would have been cool. Right. I really like the Bullet Club parade of dudes yeah. at the beginning. I like that as like a, uh, as a parallel to when they all came out for Jay White at the G1 final. Yep. And Red Shoe's still kicking them out. Yep. And they're still coming back. Yeah, actually, I take back what I said about the blood. I think it kicked in when Jay White came in to interfere with the match. I I admire what New Japan does in terms of they don't necessarily have, like, the most logical analog come out to counter somebody. Mm -hmm. So Jay White comes out for uh, Kenta. Bushi comes out yeah, for right. Naito. And I'm just like, he couldn't possibly fend him <laughs> off, and he doesn't. No, he doesn't come close. He's got one move, which is missed, and he fucking missed. Yep. And, haha. But uh, Time Bomb comes out after that, and I was thinking, that's a really interesting choice. Like, not Shingo, not Sonata, not right. Evil. Hiromu. I kind of wonder if all the LIJ guys are going to be in the New Japan Cup, which is the next tournament that's going to be coming up for New Japan. Yep. Uh, it could lead to Sonata or Evil or Shingo, really going after Naito for just a pay-per-view event and right. losing, obviously, but it'd be nice to, it would be interesting to see that kind of tension. Yep. It's interesting because I think when Kenta attacked Naito at Wrestle Kingdom, Bushi came out again yep. to save him. He's the, he's the good boy of the group. And then no one else really did. So yeah. it's interesting that that's consistent. Um, so we can we can definitely say that Bushi is the next IWGP heavyweight champion. Of course. If, yeah. yeah, if you're following all the lander notes... He's going to turn on Naito. It's going to be a big surprise. Oh, dear. Is the world ready for IWGP champion Bushi? Is, is the world ready for Naito to take ten lashes to the back oh. at the end of a AEW pay-per-view? Oh, God. <laughs> Who's the Wardlow in this case? Is it, like, Ishii? It's Shingo. No, it's Shingo. It could be Shingo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely Shingo. Mm. Uh, what else happened on that card? Not really much happened. It was just a very enjoyable show. Yeah. Uh, the tag, the junior tag titles got defended, defended and they was successful for Sho and Yo, who apparently are the Sasha Banks of junior tag championships. Good for them. Yep. They can win it as many times, but just don't defend it very well. Yeah. So and, they go ahead. So they did. They they defended it, and they yeah. They have the coaches of New Japan on deck, so now Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero are going to be the next folks who step up to him. Yeah, definitely. That's good. that's exciting. I think yeah. like Rocky has good uh, chemistry with the other two, and Taguchi's a, a, a great guy. Mm -hmm. And he spoke a surprising amount of English, which is very cool. Dodon, baby. Yes, yeah. What else did I watch? Uh, did you watch Asuka versus Becky Lynch last night on Raw? I watched clips of it. I didn't watch the full thing. I watched, like, whatever's on uh, Hulu. Yep. It might have been... They might have cut some things, but I don't know. It looked... It was very good, though, for a TV match that had no advertising that should have. Yep. It's too bad. Too bad, though, what they're doing with Asuka. Yeah. <laughs> She's just kind of throwing her out there just to fight Becky Lynch and then lose to her again. 
instead of building it to something special. That's true. I yeah. mean, WrestleMania is around the corner. Uh, the Saudi show is coming mm-hmm. up, so I would imagine her and Kyrie defend the women's tag titles at Mania. Yeah, or Elimination Chamber. True. Or NXT. I was thinking about that. Are they going to have the Elimination Chamber between now and Mania? I, I think figured... so. I think that's on the schedule. My God, like when? Because the end of February is going to be uh, the Saudi show. So what do you do? Like a week, two weeks after I do Elimination Chamber? I feel like the like historically the Saudi shows have barely registered on the calendar in terms of spacing out between pay-per-views. Yeah. So like, I mean, I think the last time there was a Saudi show, there was a pay-per-view two weeks after it. Right. So, yeah, let's look at the calendar. It's just, it's fascinating to me in the sense of, like, we really only are getting built towards certain matches like Rhea versus Charlotte, Lesnar versus yep. McIntyre. Uh, Elimination Chamber is March 8th. Good lord. And Super Showdown is February 27th. So, yeah, so they got like a week between each other. Yeah, well, so, more. I mean, I guess the nice thing about the Elimination Chamber is that it's a bunch of multi-person matches. So they can just be like, uh, these six people are going in the cage and they hate each other now. And these six tag teams, we made up. We made up four of the six tag teams just for this week. Enjoy it while you can, suckers. How many times are you going to get the chance to see Riddick Moss and Mark Henry? <laughs> Probably just once. If the Riddick Moss, uh, Mojo Raleigh tag tandem was any indication... God, new yeah. 24-7 champion, Riddick Moss. Yes. Making it happen. Yep. Good for him. He won a title in his first show or his second show on a, a main roster. He's doing it. Who would have thought? I would not. You would. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Yep. Um, did you happen to watch... Did you watch any stardom over... I haven't watched any since the last oh. time we got together. Okay, we got to watch uh, Mayu versus... Who did she fucking fight? It was someone from out of the stardom... Oh, uh, Takumi Iroha. Okay. It's a very hard-hitting match. I love it. It's yeah, you're gonna like it. Oof. Yeah, you're you're gonna be impressed. She's uh, I think she's she wrestles for Marvelous usually. Originally, Mayu was booked to defend her title against Sari, who I think is leaving Japan to sign with WWE. If the okay. rumors are to be um, believed. Yeah, and then she's called out sick, and <laughs> under 24 hours notice they picked somebody who Mayu's faced before. So but hasn't in a while, so it's a good, good match. Well worth checking out. Nice. Uh, let's see, what else is there? Yeah, how was NXT? NXT was very, very good. Um, the Broserweights are off to a very fun uh, start, mingling up with the Undisputed Era. Right. Oh, yeah, I watched the end of the show, but not the rest of it. They, they're they taking a very interesting route with Keith Lee, where I feel like he's had a ton of momentum and been red hot. He hasn't wrestled in a couple weeks. He's just kind of the champion watching Donovan Dijakovic pick up steam. Yep. So they're not overdoing it with him, which I appreciate. They're full speed ahead with Tommaso versus Adam Cole. So things are building up very steadily towards uh, TakeOver Portland. Which is Sunday, right? Uh, it's this Saturday, I want to say. I think it's... I've, I've, I'm pretty sure it's a Sunday hmm. either way. Uh, I think they're testing out to see if people will still watch TakeOver on a Sunday. Got it. Um, but yes, that... Uh, oh, I still have the schedule up. Take over Portland, February 16th. That would be Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, that's coming right up. We'll cover that next week. That'll be our show that we do. Bang! Yeah, it's so much easier now that we're just doing show by show and we can have guests and instead of uh, just being random, we can just be like, hey, watch this episode of Raw this week and then we'll slog through that or whatever. Oh, God. (laughs) Get ready for listening, audience. We're going to slog it for you. Oh, I mean, yeah. 
the average Raw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna be too optimistic about them mm. until they prove me wrong. Yep. Alright. You got you ready for segment mania? I'm ready for segment mania! Segment mania! Pew, 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 pew. So this week we decided to cover the AEW Dynamite show from February 5th, 2020. That was last Wednesday. We watched it. Well, I watched it live. Uh, did you look at it afterwards? I, mean, I, I watched it live on tape. Okay, yes, live on tape, like the old school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I have notes. I should keep them up. But they're also handwritten, so I probably can't read them anyway. But I'll have them open. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, overall a good show. Very much. I feel like AEW has been very patient about how they've been booking the Elite, mm -hmm. and the Elite were all over this episode in the best way. Yeah. Uh, they started the show, they ended the show. How do they start the show? Because um, Or I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I was going to say, the first match was Moxley versus Ortiz. That's right. Yeah. Because um, I was thinking ahead to the eight-man tag, but yeah, um, I started super hot with mm -hmm. uh, Moxley versus Ortiz. The announcers continue to do an excellent job of adding more background context to why certain matches are important. Yeah. Like, this is the first match Ortiz had wrestled in as a singles in like a year and a half, two years. Right, exactly. Which, it should be a big deal when dedicated tag teams split off to do singles. Right. Um, you, the commentary was great. Jericho was a guest on the commentary, and that's always a treat. Yeah. He's so good at it. He's one of those wrestlers that never forgets he can get himself over, but also continue to build up his opponent so that it means something if he wins or loses. Yeah, he's very complimentary to Moxley's uh, skills. He just hates his guts yeah. for stealing his car, right? which he was going to gift to him anyway. <laughs> he already put the title in his name. Yep. Oh, God. And that's how Moxley can drive around with a semi-stolen car for weeks on end. Legally. Ethically bankrupt. Morally... Yeah. Yes. Gold Rush. <laughs> it is morally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a good match, though. I think it was a hot way to open. Absolutely. I noticed that they put Moxley on early, usually, to get that like early pop, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, Moxley's super versatile. He can wrestle main event long matches, or he can get the crowd on their feet. And um, him and Ortiz had a very good match. Santana came out, as you'd kind of expect. Yeah. Overcomes the, the distractions and right. everything else, puts away... Puts away Ortiz, and then what happens next? Oh, well, Moxley takes out the keys from the car, mm -hmm. and then he stabs Ortiz in the eye. Yep. It's it's less hardcore than you would expect, but they do like go through the trouble of fake blood and everything. Mm -hmm. It's a, I should warn everybody, it's a gory episode of EW Dynamite for whatever reason. A lot of blood, a lot of bruises. Yeah. I One thing I noticed, though, uh, Moxley, very good at playing a badass. His body language, still very goofy. Oh, yeah. It's very... I like... To go back to the new beginning, when he was fighting uh, Suzuki, I keep saying Mizuki. I don't know why. Mm. Uh, when he was fighting Suzuki, he like at one point he punched Suzuki and kind of did that w wiggly thing he does with his shoulders, and then Suzuki did it back to him. And I was like, that's a that's a silly thing to be doing with your body. Good call, Suzuki. Yep. <laughs> I read an article about just quickly tying that off. That Suzuki was just like Moxie is one of the greatest opponents in the world because he's he's not good at anything. <laughs> he can't do anything right. <laughs> so you want to watch him because he can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suzuki, so good. That's such a good interview. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, it just ties back to Moxley's versatile in the sense. If you believe Suzuki, he can't do anything right. Yeah. But that also means that everything he does has his own unique spin on it, mm -hmm. including stabbing a guy in the eye with car keys. Yes, exactly. Yeah, stabbing Ortiz in the eye with the car keys was a good touch. It's a, 
and eye for an eye, the crowd was white hot for it. Mm. People love seeing eyes get gouged out, apparently. Yup. <laughs> Blood and guts, baby. It's gonna be really funny when they're just, they're both, their vision's just fine. <laughs> or I was gonna say, if this leads to a blindfold match. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's what would happen with, uh, God, I hope that doesn't happen ever. But I don't think it will. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't happen with Jericho, probably, just because, um, Jericho's eyes are just fine. Mm-hmm. They're Canadian, but they're just fine. You're a Judas in his eyes. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of eye play in the... <laughs> thing. <laughs> the sexiest part of the face. <laughs> the theme song. Um, you know, one thing I just... I, outside of the match that I appreciate about AEW is that they announce all the matches, like, right off the bat. Yep. When you start the show, which makes a lot more sense. Like, the... Like, it's one of those little things that they do that makes it all, like, different from Raw. Mm. In that it's there's clear quote-unquote thought put into the show before it went on air, which you don't quite get when, say, Seth Rollins comes out and cuts a 20-minute promo, then gets interrupted, then sets up a match for later in the night. Right. It, it gets you excited for what's coming later, and, I mean, the, the whole show gets bookended with Ten Lashes, which is not a wrestling match, it's in service of a wrestling match, yes, and yeah. it's done well enough that it makes you want to see said wrestling mm-hmm. match that's coming later, but... Yeah, it, it, they do a great job of announcing the tag matches that are coming up. Yep. You have a sense of the programming. You're not just staring at something for three hours. Yeah, you're not just like, what's going to happen next? I don't know. But like, I like to imagine that backstage on Raw and Kayfabe, there's just a sign-up sheet for people who want to do promos. And like Seth Rollins gets there first all the time, and he's you know he just puts his name down. And someone like Dana Brooke gets there late and can't get on. Aww. And then people are just backstage like, oh, I want to kick Seth Rollins' ass. Oh, he signed up for the first segment? Well, I'm going to come out and interrupt the first segment. What, what if somebody like Titus O'Neil keeps putting someone else's name? <laughs> he, just, like, he puts so much thought into it during the day, and he ends up writing, like, Cedric Alexander. He puts he puts a lot of thought into it, and every time he just puts R-Truth down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how that happens. That's what's up. <laughs> oh, God. So the next match. So, yeah, I, I, what do you think about the um, Jericho-Moxley um, feud? I think this is a good way to build it up more. Um, I, I really like the feud. I think it's very strong. I think there's multiple dimensions to this now versus instead of John Moxley trying to coast on the momentum of I'm taking over wrestling in my way and this is my time and no one's going to stop me. Yep. It's adding a lot of personal layers to this feud. He's stolen Jericho's car. He's beaten up his friends. He's turned down invitations to the inner circle. His Ford GT, the most expensive car in America. $750,000, which just doesn't seem that expensive. <laughs> but in wrestling terms, it's perfect. It's a, It doesn't seem that expensive, and yet it kind of does. Right. Like, for a car made in America. Yeah. Yeah, for a Ford. It's very interesting. So it... Good it's product all, placement. Yeah. It, it does make me want... Their feud makes me want to buy Evolution. Yes, I... And, yeah, let's watch that one together if we can. Yeah, Revolution. So it's February, what, 29th? I think so. A couple weeks ago, so... Yeah, yeah. That's a, better than watching Super Showdown. The next match was SEU defeating the Best Friends. I don't remember this match very well, but I like everybody involved. I don't. I think my problem with SEU right now is that without the titles, I don't know what their deal is. That's exactly the note I have. Is I'm ready for SEU to do something different now. Yeah. Um, they're not the champions. Scorpio Sky is still the breakout. Frankie Kazarian, incredibly technically proficient. But it doesn't seem like they, as a team, are working towards anything, or as a unit working towards anything. Yeah, and it's weird because they're a three-man team. Well, I guess this is all they have a number of three-man teams in AEW, but right. it's like kind of random that there's so many three-man teams and then just a two-man tag title. Yep, 
you know, uh, acknowledge the free, free bird rule so far. Right. Or have trios titles, but I like the best friends as they are in terms of like almost lovable losers mm-hmm. and having a, a friend, if not manager in Orange Cassidy works really well still. Yeah. I really like that after SCU picks up the win over the two of them, that the Dark Order come out. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy to have come around on the Dark Order where yeah. they were just like annoying buddy people and like their promos have made me interested in what's coming next with them. It's interesting that the crowd still isn't into them, but I do love the commercials that they're airing for the Dark Order. Like those are a highlight. They're really well done. Yeah. And especially like as somebody who watches it not live, I appreciate a Dark Order commercial in place of like a Hulu commercial. I'm like, right. cool, I'm still into the show now. Yeah. I sometimes, usually if I'm watching it live, and I don't know that it's Dark Oral commercial, but I'm just like, oh, another pharmaceutical commercial. And then it becomes wrestling, and I'm like, I love wrestling again. Yeah. You brought me more wrestling. I also love drugs. <laughs> <laughs> the Exalted One loves drugs. Yeah. I wish Orange Cassidy would wrestle. we get, like, a you know dynamite spot. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how he fits into the you know, very, quote-unquote, sports-centric attitude they want to have, but I think they need to emphasize, like, the different things they got. I feel like he absolutely play. He would play it well off of like a Peter Avalon yeah. or a Sammy Guevara or like a Kip Sabian in terms of these are guys that he could match up with. Not necessarily beat, maybe he does, but yeah. still not take away from whatever seriousness you want to frame the show as. Yeah, I think it's just like it's interesting that they have guys like Cassidy or Sonny Kiss, and they're mostly relegated to uh, AW Dark on YouTube. Yep. But then you got like four goth cults on Dynamite, and it kind of I wish like it would. It would help just to have a sunny kiss match on a dynamite one night. I like that either Jimmy Havoc or Darby Allen could qualify as like a dark cult on their own. Now that the <laughs> Nightmare Collective aren't around. Right, yeah. Oh yes, they're just barely not around. The memory is still fresh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a great match, but you know what? They're giving the tag teams time to do whatever and they're building to something with the Dark Order, at least. Yeah, because Daniels comes out after the Dark Order comes out and try to right. recruit Orange Cassidy, which Part of me wanted Orange Cassidy to join as like a sleeper agent. Yeah, he's just he's part of them, but he doesn't help. Right. I would. I kind of was hoping that Cassidy would be the the great leader or whatever they called <laughs> the exalted one. The exalted one. Yes. <laughs> I think. I think. I mean, it would diffuse the entire the gimmick, but it would be very very funny. Right. But they are kind of teasing that Daniels might be it, and that makes sense. They teased the um, fallen angel thing few year, weeks back and never did anything with it. Right. But maybe they they put it away because they were like, oh, we can put two and two together or keep one hot or keep one lukewarm while we wait to see what happens with Matt Hardy. Mm. Whenever he, whatever his uh, WWE contract status is. Lukewarm wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that it is Matt Hardy. I feel like that guy deserves uh, one more shot at like a super creative thing that he could jump into. That'd be a hell of a turnaround, right? Yeah. That like his contract runs up. I... I the, feel like it's the big rumor, but who knows with you know how contracts are. Exactly. Especially with like I'm, I assume Jeff is still with WWE. Mm. And the th- oh, the thing is with Broken Matt is that that character can there's so much that can be done with him. There's nothing to say that he couldn't be the Exalted Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's just a very creative guy when it comes to character stuff. So you yep. could have him as the figurehead of a cult. Right, Keaton? Have you ever joined a cult? <laughs> you did, and it was boring. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next match in that case. (laughs) The next match was Yuka Sakazaki finally coming back to AEW. The magical girl! The magical genie! Versus Britt Baker, which uh, Yuka 
won in her debut with a very surprise, uh, or yeah, which was a very surprising result mm. for that match. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think it did a good job establishing what makes her delightful. Yeah. This is what I really like about heel-face dynamics in a company that doesn't have a lot of 50-50 booking, mm -hmm. is that Britt Baker is picking up a lot of steam and momentum with her promo and character work, but she doesn't necessarily have to win every match. Right, and so, I, I think she's, what, like, third-ranked, according to whatever they... I can't remember what they said. I, yeah. It changes every week. She's fairly highly ranked. She has been winning lately, but yeah. Yuka benefits by winning in her debut. She had a really beautiful looking cradle yes um to beat Britt becker that looked genuinely surprising it looked like it should win a match yeah and i didn't expect it to win i thought Britt was gonna kick out because i feel like it's been a few weeks of someone new comes in to dynamite and then loses to someone who's established just to pump up the numbers a little bit right so yuka's on the board Britt baker after the match is a very sore loser and yeah. in what way she gets yuka to bite the bottom ring rope and then curb stomps her so that Yuko loses a tooth. Yep. Which is... I don't think you need to be a dentist to do that. No, but it's it does feel more malicious and vindictive when you are. Yeah, yeah, it was it was brutal. There was a... I hope that if they really broke her teeth, she gets free dental work. For out, life. <laughs> outside, outside of AEW from Brit. Just to, you know, just help her out a little bit. Yeah. She probably doesn't have... I don't know if if dentists in America take Japanese health insurance. I don't know. Maybe she just hooks her up as a friend. Yeah. <laughs> just gives her enough laughing gas that she becomes a very magical girl, and she they figured just it out. Give her a free tooth because she broke it. And a then... free tooth. <laughs> There's lying around. <laughs> you could. I don't know. Just cab it. I don't. I don't. I'm not a dentist. I'm not Britt Baker. We should ask Britt Baker. Yeah. Well, next time she's on the show, we will. <laughs> Dear Doctor Britt. We run a podcast in sometimes sunny Massachusetts. Would you like <laughs> to come up from Florida to hang out in an apartment with two dudes and a cat? You can make it three dudes if you bring Adam Cole. <laughs> we won't ask embarrassing questions. Baby! <laughs> we'll probably just say baby a lot. God. And it'll be very annoying to you. <laughs> but we have questions about dentistry that only you can answer. Thank you for sticking through page four of this note. <laughs> this, this won't be the last voicemail, I promise. <laughs> yeah, good debut. I'm glad that uh, Yuka came back because she was on one of the early pay-per-views that AEW did, and then yeah. she kind of disappeared, I assume, because she was working TJPW a bunch. And it kind of felt weird that they at first hyped up, like, we're going to have a big Joshi presence. And then they had three Joshi wrestlers. Yeah. And then now they have fourth, which is progress. Like, it, it's on its way. Um, I like Emi Sakura. I don't buy Emi Sakura as like someone you can build the division around. No, not they, at all. They're choosing to do that with Rio. Rio works. I I really like Hikaru Shida, and I still hold to the fact that like I feel like Hikaru was somebody who either her or Nyla Rose would have been good as a first champion. But Rio's doing fine. Yeah, Rio's good as like an underdog champion. Mm. I like we've talked about this before. I think she should lose the title soon. Yep. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen tomorrow night. She's facing Nyla Rose. Yeah. R weird thing about that. The commentary is like, I don't think Riho can beat Nyla Rose, which is not true because that's how Rio got the championship in the first place. Yep. It's a weird lapse in memory for them, but can't remember everything. Yep. 
Well, if you go to therapy, you can forget everything. That's true. That is the purpose of therapy. Yeah. From what I gather. To bury all the thoughts. <laughs> it's the healthy thing to do, Brandy. <laughs> yeah. She... <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they, they wrote out the Nightmare Collective with the therapy. Yep. A couple therapy segments. They kind of te- seemed to tease that something was up with Brandy either way. Mm. But they did break up the Nightmare Collective last week, so... Hooray! Yeah, good. Now we can have the women's division not be hampered by this crazy thing that couldn't work because half of the faction couldn't wrestle. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the next thing... So it's the Butcher and the Blade versus and the Lucha Brothers versus the Elite. I didn't see the Elite as, like, four people. I yeah. was, like, taking them in pairs. All right, so that makes sense. This was a white-hot eight-man tag team match. It was. You know what would be white-hot? Because, like, you misspoke for a second. It was just, like, the Butcher and the Braid. <laughs> just because neither one of them got a, that much hair. <laughs> so uh, like, the Bunny does. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, this... Like, this is what I was kind of uh, referencing earlier in terms of holding off on the Elite so that when they do come together, it does feel very special. Yeah. Because Butcher and Blade have been doing fine as henchmen, and the Lucha Bros are fucking amazing. Yes. But you gotta have strong foils, and man, the, the Elite are that. Yes, very much. They're, uh, they're, they're a cohesive unit of four guys. Uh, Dennis is just peeing right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's right on my floor. It's how I express my excitement. Yeah, it's an audio podcast, so I don't, you know, but if we ever start Patreon, uh, we'll upload some smells. <laughs> <laughs> Top tier. <laughs> <laughs> From this specific moment, I'm just going to keep it on my hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a great match. I think, like, one of the things about the Lucha Brothers and... Uh, the Young Bucks in the same match usually is that they're both trying way too hard yep. and kind of loses some of the psychology but having Butcher and the Blade there kind of grounds the Young Bucks offense and also having Paige and Omega play out their story which seems like it's going to be around for a long time mm. kind of evens out the sides a little bit so that it's busy but not overtly busy. Yeah. There's still some story being told. It helps ground things so that you have yeah, it, it's 50-50 of, like, you have flashy stuff versus ground and pound versus, like, a character drama with uh, Adam Page being too proud to accept help or ask for it or uh, be unselfish when he's wrestling. Yeah, I'm liking how they're doing the Page and Omega uh, tandem. Because mm. they're, they're friends, it's not, like, an uneasy pair, but it is uneasy because it's clear that Page is being overshadowed by Omega's celebrity. Yeah. Which I like how they're doing, not even really a subtle way. Like, um, last week when they won the championships, I think it was maybe Alex Marvarez or someone backstage asking, like, Omega, like, oh, how does it feel to be the champion? And turning to Paige would be like, and you? And Paige is like, it was, it was good. And then he cuts him off and just keeps talking to Omega again. And while Paige looks mad, yeah. So this match ended with Paige refusing to tag out in order to get the win and then losing because he was selfish when he could have asked for help. Yep. And it's a life lesson that we all must learn sometimes. Indeed. Can't be too proud to uh, accept help from your friends. Uh, the Lucha Bros continue to get their tandem finisher over, mm-hmm. uh, where it was the double stomp into the package pile driver. Yep. Butcher and Blade did a really excellent job of just kind of running interference and just like, they, they're used exactly how they should be right now. Right. I appreciate that about them. Yeah, I think they can get over eventually, just kind of slowly. Because, I mean... Those first, like, four weeks of AEW stuff was just, like, every week, like, three or four new things, and some of them stick, some of them don't, and they're definitely one that didn't stick, but over time. We'll see how they go. Yep. Yeah. After the match, we set up 
Pac versus Omega with the Pac yelling at Omega from backstage and then threatening Riho, which my thought was, I bet Riho and Pac could have a very good match together. Absolutely. It would be amazing. It would be super ha- super fast paced and Riho could like stand a chance at winning because similar to like Yuka Sakazaki, she could just cradle him really yeah. fast. Yep. Yeah. She's good at, she would be a really good underdog in intergender thing like that. But instead <laughs> It was fun. It was kind of weird to watch Pac yelling at Omega and Riho's just kind of just standing there, and it's like, does she, she know what Pac's about to do to her? Because she is not running away, but she's also not looking like she's gonna defend herself. I mean, it. I feel like in that context, context I could buy it as like paralyzed by fear. Yeah, true. Of just not only is Pac like he's a bigger human being, but he was just manically furious. Yes. In that promo, which is kind of those are Pac's speed. He's mm. either just like silent and menacing or he's screaming at the top of his lungs right it's what he does well yes you had mentioned like omega overshadows page so mm-hmm. omega's actively in two programs like he's right. get this friction relationship fr- frictuitous frictuitous yeah. relationship yeah. with adam page i'll add it to wikipedia yeah uh but he can also build to a singles match with pack and pack 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 yeah. and I, I wouldn't want to fight Pac, even no. if I was a professional athlete, so I could buy Rio just be, like, cr- cringing in a believable way in this instance. Yeah. So, after the match, here's one thing I don't like about the segment. They they did this whole thing where they were yelling at each other, whatever. I think the setup was that Omega was getting interviewed after the eight-man tag, and yep. Pac was just screaming at him from backstage. I think it was, like, two commercial breaks later that they were like, next week or whenever it is, a couple weeks from now... We're going to do Pac versus Omega in a 30-minute Ironman match. And I feel like they could have set that up in the segment. Yeah. Rather than after and kind of made, given more of a reason for just this, this special stipulation. Yeah. My guess is they'll, I mean, they'll they'll do a job of explaining it more next week and the week following. But yeah, yeah it's always nice when you get a stipulation when there's more of a why behind the what. Right, because they're just like mad at each other. It's like, well, why not do just a, would it even be a rubber match if they had two matches or just one? I feel like they've, they may have even had three. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Just the same. Yeah, Omega agrees, you got your match, you got your match to help save his friend from getting beaten up, and it does not work. No, because Pac's like, I'm not going to hurt Rio, but I know someone who will, and then Nyla Rose comes out from behind and just breaks Rio across the table, which, I mean, as long as Nyla, Nyla Rose is uh, uh, working for AEW, maybe don't have tables around. <laughs> she, she loves breaking people through tables. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, maybe podium, little, little different types of tables. Different types of podiums, different yeah. types, yeah. Yeah, little things, you know, little places to put your drinks on. Maybe even puts their drinks on, like, stools. I would love that as a running physical gag, that every time Nyla Rose is on camera, you just see people frantically moving tables <laughs> behind her. Just folding them back up, yep. taking them into the truck. We know what this is. No, we're not. No. <laughs> no. No, you got suspender right. It's funny that one time she got suspended for attacking someone through a table, but this time she got a title match out of it next week, or this week. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Riho Nyla 2. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this is where, if it, this isn't the match that the title changes hands, then it builds to a stipulation match at Revolution where Rio gracefully loses the title. Right. Yeah, hopefully. I'm not sure how, like long term, I don't know how many more times Nyla can lose before you can't take her seriously anymore yep. so i kind of hope she wins this one she'd be a good champion that everybody can't beat like you know kind of the opposite of rio yeah if you if you can't have awesome kong you can build an awesome kong so yeah. you can have people like 
big swole bounce off of her and Emi Sakura and Hikaru Shida and build up to whoever it is is the one to finally unseat her. Yeah. <laughs> Yuka! Yuka! Yeah, you go do it. Use magic! Exactly. The only way to beat someone that big uh, <laughs> is with magic. Right, Keaton? That's how everybody beat the big show. They used <laughs> magic! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they all visited the same magic source. I've been watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> they all went to hell and got magic from witchcraft. <laughs> this show is fucking weird. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the next ma- the next segment they did was Kip Savian versus Joey Janela. Kind of, not really a cuck storyline, but a breakup storyline. Yeah. In- which is the, the kissing cousin of cuck. <laughs> the kissing cousin of Cuck. You heard it first here on the WrestleDown. Yeah. I like that these are matches that help reinforce that there are different sides to certain wrestlers. Joey Janela is not just like a garbage wrestler or like a hardcore wrestler. He knows some fundamentals and it helps bouncing that off of a dude like Kip Sabian who I don't really feel has like a strong in-ring identity yet. Yeah. I'm coming around to super bad of just like, hey, he's a dick. Yeah. It's fine. I get his character and I like watching him be a dick to things. Yeah, that was a really good match. Like, I think Janela gets a lot of, like, attention because he's just a flashier wrestler. He will put his fucking body through whatever, as we saw in Boston. He, like, damn near killed himself to entertain us for a YouTube match. Yep. So he'll do that for, you know, whoever. And he, you know, but I think being on Dynamite in these constricted rules gives him space to also show that he's a solid wrestler besides that. And this match ended with Kip Sabian getting the tights, um, using those for leverage to beat um, Joey Janela after Penelope Ford, Janela's ex, distracted him. Yep. I think, did Penelope get to do some, like, wrestling moves? I feel, She usually has a pretty good flying head scissors. Yeah. She, I want to say she did it here. Yeah, I think she did something. I mean, the other way, she also did a great job at the, like, previous... AW Dark episode from the night before. Yeah. So she, if this is a good, this is a good program to get all three people over. Really. Yep. Just Kip needs to win more than Janela needs to. Janela's one of those guys that he he's a lovable, goofy, yeah, pincushion. So right. you can just you can beat him a ton. Yeah, he could lose. Unlike Tyler Rose, he could lose forever. Yep. And just pull out a couple wins here or there, and it'll be very exciting to watch. So I'm happy with that. I my one little detail I like was uh, as. The camera was, or as the announcers were explaining what's coming up next or whatever, you could see Janela and the referee Bryce in the ring. And Janela was like yelling, like, he got, he had my tights. And Bryce is miming, like, tights? I didn't see that. What? Tights? Ow, I don't know. And then he just leaves. <laughs> he's a re- he's really good at communicating a lot of information with his acting. Yeah. They got, they got some good referees in their crew. He, yeah, he knows how to wear jeans, and he's good at gesticulating. He's a very good pantomime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Keaton? Means he's a mime who wears pants. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, I, and like you mentioned, uh, Janela loses by getting his tights pulled, so I yeah. feel like this could build to an opening match at Revolution, or yeah. maybe more Cracker Barrel clashes. I could, yeah, I could see this going hardcore. Uh, it would be dumb of Janela to do this because it's like a two-on-one situation, but it would also be in character for Janela to do this. Also, to just brutalize his life uh, in order to beat Kip Sabian just to get over his ex, I guess. I, it's, it's really the plot of um, Birds of Prey all over again. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I would like this, like, 
you're right. It's a two-on-one thing, and they could build it up. It was like, oh, he's, he wasn't smart enough to ask anybody for help. What if he asked, like, a Jimmy Havoc, and in return yeah. for Havoc's help, Havoc got to, like, beat him up whenever he wanted? Yeah, that'd be fun. So you have that, like, running tandem backstage of just, like, yep, he's getting more paper cuts. Yeah. <laughs> fun times. So they, after that, there was a promo. With, I guess we already talked about Jericho and uh, the Inner Circle and versus Moxley, but there was a promo where Jericho says he's coming for Moxley, and Ortiz cuts some... Um, a very passionate promo as well. Yep. Or was it Santana? God, I don't... Uh, it was Santana. Yes, Santana. Santana had gotten his eye poked. Yes, yeah. And that, I, I want to hear more from each wrestler on the EW roster. In the inner circle, it's very easy for anyone to get overshadowed by Jericho because Jericho right. is amazing. So to get a little bit more of a sense of the voice from somebody like Santana helps a lot. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I kept saying that Santana got, or Ortiz got his eye poked Linda, earlier on. My bad. Thanks for correcting me. If you weren't proud, you wouldn't be powerful, Jack. <laughs> I'm very powerful. <laughs> so powerful. What <laughs> 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 about? These are our voice warm-ups before we come on. Powerful, powerful, powerful. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so like, the next bullet point here is the next week's show, but we'll talk about that afterwards. And then for the quote-unquote main event, mm. yeah, they it wasn't really a wrestling match. It was a segment. Um, the, the setup here was that MJF cost Cody Rhodes his what he says was his final shot at the AEW Championship. So, and in order to get a match with MJF, Cody agreed to a bunch of stipulations. Would you like to list what they are? I would love to. He has to. He can't oh, touch MJF. That shit, was that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. that's the first, which is great in terms yeah. of just like all the shit promos that MJF has been cutting people like Diamond Dallas Page have come out to defend Cody's honor yeah. um, he has to in this segment tonight he has to take 10 lashes with a leather strap mm-hmm. tomorrow night he's gonna have to fight Wardlow Mr. Mayhem in a steel cage mm-hmm. so those are and if Cody completes all these tasks he gets a match with MJF at Revolution I think it's a really great way to build their feud yep because you don't need to see MJF wrestle a bunch you don't need to see Cody wrestle a bunch uh, you can just have them do these extraneous segments. You don't have to have Cody beat MJF to answer the question, can he beat MJF? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's a nice way of being creative. and sets up like, okay, this week, this is going to happen. And then next week, this thing's going to happen. And here's the reason why they're not just going out into the parking lot and punching each other in the face all the time. Like, Cody can't get that match and can't get the win that he, you know, because wins and losses matter in this company. Yep. He wants to cost MJF that... That, uh, that little bit on his record. Mm. So, yeah, they, this was the 10 Strap episode. It was it was a long segment. It was brutal yeah. in, in the best way. Part of me was wondering before it started leading up to this episode of are they going to have it char- like each lash characterized by something different? And they pretty much did. Yes, yeah, it was it was interesting. It laid out like a wrestling match. Mm. Very, uh, there's a lot of psychology to it, I think. Yeah. Because every lash, like, escalated a little bit in a different way like cody took like like going in i was like 10 lashes like i feel like i've seen that happen in like every hulk hogan match post like 1994 right uh but they sold it like cody was getting shot in the fucking face yep and in 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 the back and in the chest and yeah which i mean going into it you could pause the question how is this more painful than a wrestling match itself right but they played out the pageant theory of all of the things, the setup, Cody dramatically taking off his shirt and stuff to be bare-chested, bare-backed. Yep. Takes one shot, and it hurts a whole lot. It, yeah. it 
the sound reverberated really well. At like the second and third shot, it starts to bring wrestlers out from the back of the locker room, and they're watching from the stage. Yeah. Oh, and it starts with MJF being like, "My belt's too nice for this like task. Let me have your belt, Cody, so I can whip you with your own belt." What a dick. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he is so good. The crowd was like on Cody's side completely before, and just solidified it in that moment. And you know, they're yeah. So they would he'd take a couple hits, and it's not like it's bad, but it's not so bad. But then eventually we get to like four. And he's got, like, other wrestlers coming out and be like, hey, do, you don't have to do this. Stop it. And he's like, if I stop it, he's not going to get that match. Cody, do you want that match? And Cody's like, I can I can take it. And then, yeah, and then at one point, Wardlow, who's much bigger than MJF, does one that fucking cracks across the stadium. Oof. It was, like, the eighth one, too. Yeah. He had taken a bunch. Yeah. Um, by, like, the fourth or fifth, Dustin comes out from the back and, right. like, volunteers to take the rest of the lashes. Yeah. And MJF is like, no, fuck that. that yeah. Those aren't the rules. Right. And Cody's like, no, 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 I gotta take it. The Bucks come out at one point. Mm -hmm. After the Wardlow one, regular ass Brandy comes out. Right. And just, like, tries to encourage him to suck it up and make it through. Yeah, she said in an interview that that's the end of the Nightmare Collective storyline. Great. Her coming out to support uh, Cody, mm. which is nice. I, good way to end the storyline with her snapping to her senses because her husband's being brutalized in the ring Yeah, outside of a wrestling match. I mean, if the power of Arn Anderson's counsel can't get a man through, then maybe love and marriage will. Yes, yeah. So he completes it. He gets all ten lashes, and MJF is pissed. Yep. Um, because that's one more step towards having to have this match with Cody that he doesn't want, and he thought he could make Cody back down from. Yep. But Cody wants his revenge. And, and you want him to see him get hit. Yeah. And assumedly, Cody wants to have children or have the <laughs> sex. And MJF kicked him right in the yeah, dick. I love that. I love that there's like a million heels out there who'll kick a face in the nuts. But only MJF will do it while that face... Is surrounded by friends with and family. He just books it. I think he got a, like a fan like all had an altercation with him on the way up too, which was yeah. I don't think it was like the fan being worked, but just being probably drunk or whatever. Yeah. Still uh, added to the moment, like the chaos of it was him kicking a Cody in the nuts and then bolting out of there with Wardlow and then posing at the top of the stairs to end the show. Yep. Him got and his it. fucking fancy ring and his just oh, pompous so circumstances dickery. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Mm. Yeah, great episode. Like Very they, much. Yeah, if there's one thing I would know, it's at the first half, like the first hour, every match ended with post-match attack. Mm. And after, thankfully, I don't think that was true. No, that wasn't true after the um, eight-man tag. But it was kind of like, I wish they'd spaced them out a little differently because it felt like, oh, is this just going to happen every time? Mm. Someone's going to be have their eye gouged out or lose a tooth. Or whatever after every match because that's a bit much. Yeah. So, I mean, the the outside interference with the SEU and the best friends was just Orange Cassidy True. laying down when everyone else was <laughs> laying down. I love Cassidy. <sighs> I love what. I if there's one thing that's wrong about him, and really there's not, he's a perfect man. <laughs> um, if there's one thing I don't like, it's that I can't take my eyes off him when he's in the background. Yeah. Like he'll make these hand signals as the best friends are doing something. Like Chuck will go to the top rope and, and Cassidy will just. Do like, oh, I can't do, like like a four fifty rotation yeah, like hand a, thing. Yeah, he'll like make his hands go like, oh, he's going up and up and up and up. <laughs> like, just very relaxed, so good. Yep. I hope he gets uh, some time to shine on his own soon. But yeah, good episode. Can't wait for next week. What's the so what they had lined up? Thanks to this episode. Uh, well, they announced a double or nothing is coming back to Vegas in a few months. Yep. I think that'll be the spring 
pay-per-view they do. Mm. Then they got a tag team battle royale coming up, which makes sense. I was literally, after the SCU best friends match, I was like, I don't even know who's what the rankings are for the tag team. Seems like everybody's beating everybody, which yep. kind of sucks. Tag team battle royale next week makes that much easier to figure out. Yeah, you can say, this team beat all the teams. Yeah, excellent. I love it. I love a good battle royale. I think that's a one moment that Orange Cassidy will get to shine. Mm. And obviously we talked about the Pack Omega 30-minute Iron Man match, which should be fucking lit. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Do the right thing, TNT. Show it the whole time through the commercials. Don't have commercials. Yeah. Com- don't do capitalism. Yeah. It's over. Serve the art. <laughs> it's dumb. Don't do commercials. We don't need testosterone. We have it right here in my cat. Oh, God. <laughs> Keaton has grown to 40 feet tall. We have to go. <laughs> he has not. He just has a <laughs> Very good improv. <laughs> I don't want people thinking that my cat is 40 feet tall. He's, too gen- He's a gentle giant in spirit. The integrity of this of this cat's identity. Oh, love you, Keaton. Yeah, buddy. He's sitting next to Dennis. He's taking his, his head rubs. And I think that's a good cue for us to uh, leave. I think next week we'll cover uh, NXT TakeOver Portland. Boom! Uh, yeah, so that'll be a good one to see what's up with NXT. Um, anything else you want to leave with? Um, I'm very excited for TakeOver. I feel like they've done a very a well-paced job of getting people excited for things like Gargano versus Balor. Champa yeah. versus Cole. It's gonna it's gonna deliver. We're getting another Lee versus Dijakovic match, which should be good. It's a little bit of a longer card than most takeovers have been, from what I've noticed. So we'll see. I think it's gonna be a good uh, pay per view, though. So we'll see how that goes. And yeah, that's the that'll be next week. So uh, this has been the Wrestle Down. I am Jared Palapal, Twitter.com, Swing Dingaling. Sensei Denny B on the Twitters at dbruno42 on Instagram. That's me, Dennis Bruno. I'm Keaton Fuzzy. On Instagram. That was Keaton. Keaton. <laughs> yep. That was his voice. He's not 40 feet tall, but that was his voice. Yeah. I wasn't miming his voice at all. <laughs> I'm Okay, he's mad at me now, so uh, that wasn't him. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come clean. Um, he gave me a frowny face. Aww. Okay, buddy. Well, then, yeah, Keaton's on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, this has been The Wrestle Down. Thanks for listening up. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Mm-hmm.